Greetings and welcome to the Prometheus Project Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Bist. Thank you for joining me on this exploration of creativity. Before I get started on this episode, I want to extend an apology to everybody out there. I've been uh, AWOL for about a month now. I've been sick. I got that nasty flu that's been going around, and then I ended up with a stupid head cold on top of it. So I'm not 100% yet, but I feel I'm recovered enough that I can continue podcasting. So bear with me. I apologize if my voice isn't quite 100%, but I'm going to do the best I can today. You know, I don't think anyone could argue that artists and creative types are an unusual bunch. What I mean is, we create, we build, we draw, we write, we even cook. We like to make something from nothing. Or more precisely, we imagine something and we try to make it real. We work for hours, days, weeks, even years to bring our visions to life in some shape or form. We struggle with it. We get mad, we get frustrated. Sometimes we even scrap what we've done and start over again. Eventually, however, we realize our project is finished, or as finished as it's going to be, and then we have to decide what to do with it. For writers like me, that means deciding how to publish. You know, back in the day, that meant mailing submissions. But it wasn't quite as easy as just popping a manuscript into an envelope and sticking a stamp on it and dropping it off at the post office. First, I had to find a magazine to submit my work to, and there were a lot of magazines back then. Luckily, Writer's Digest magazine printed a huge volume every year of all the magazines and book publishers, along with their genres, word count limits, names of editors, other pertinent details. The only problem was that they compiled this immense list over the course of a year, so that by the time it was published, quite a bit of the information was out of date. And, of course, it could get expensive having to keep a stock of envelopes and stamps on hand at all times. Then there was the waiting. Yeah, that was the worst part, especially since magazines didn't usually accept simultaneous submissions. So I'd send a story out and wait upwards of a year for a response. And even then, I didn't always get one. It was a frustrating game. Today, however, the process is streamlined. No more envelopes, no more stamps. Just log into a submission website and upload your document. Of course, there's still the waiting game, but it's much faster. There is, however, a downside. Because the submission process has gotten so much easier for writers, there are far more writers submitting their stories. That means far more competition for page space. Publishers are inundated with manuscripts, and the slush piles are dangerously tall and unsteady. Well, that last part probably isn't true since there's no longer any paper submissions, but you get my point. What this means, though, is that submitting your story or novel for consideration is like adding a drop of water to the ocean. You know it's been added, but it's immediately lost among all the other drops, and it's carried away by unseen currents. If you think about how many writers are out there, how many manuscripts, and compare that with how many publishers there are, both books and magazines, well, you can see how the ocean analogy applies. All we can do is cross our fingers and hope that our drops of water get noticed. Now, I'm not telling you all this to discourage you or scare you or make you feel insignificant. No, I just want to give you some perspective. If you're anything like me, 
You can get frustrated when you send one of your completed projects out into the world and then you have to wait to find out if anyone's going to publish it. It's perfectly natural to feel that way. You know, even after writing and submitting stories for over 25 years, I still feel this way when I'm waiting on a publisher to respond. That's your baby out there, all alone in that deep blue sea, bobbing back and forth, waiting for someone to notice it. Unfortunately, the only temporary cure is to work on something else in the hopes that that distracts you. Of course, if you find that route doesn't work for you, there's always the self-publishing path. Of course, many writers choose to go this way because they've either gotten frustrated with the waiting game or they simply want to avoid it. And self-publishing is an excellent alternative. It gives writers the opportunity to have complete control over their work. You get to choose the layout, the cover, the content, where it's sold. Of course, there's a bit more work involved since you don't have a publisher doing all that stuff for you. But still, there's something to be said for seeing your project go from idea to bookshelf all by yourself, with you making all the decisions along the way. I've done it myself, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But, and there's always a but, you still run into similar situation as with the submission process. Because self-publishing has become so easy, so many writers now choose this path. Personally, I think it's great. Power to the people and all that. But all you have to do is look at the offerings on Amazon or Barnes & Noble online, and you can be overwhelmed by the number of self-published titles. And that's just from a writer's perspective. I know that, as a reader, it can be difficult to wade through all the titles out there. Plus, the major downside to self-publishing is quality control. There generally isn't a team of copy editors and proofreaders checking each book and short story collection for typos and plot holes. And yes, publishing your book yourself and posting it to one of those online retailers is just like placing your drop of water into a different ocean. The problem here is that you don't have a marketing team or a subscriber base of regular readers to buy it. Professional publishing houses and magazines offer you a better chance of readers, sort of like having your book close to a shore where a large number of people are laying in the sun waiting for something to wash up so they can read it. With self-publishing, you're dropping your story into the deep water, far from shore, and hoping for a passing ship to find it. I know, it sounds depressing, doesn't it? Overwhelming. It's an immense ocean, so many stories floating by, writers who have been doing it for far longer or with more success than you. Trust me, I understand. I'm in the same boat. But the thing is, despite the odds, we still continue to write and set our stories adrift on the waves. Why is that? Are we gluttons for punishment? I don't think so. I think that we do it, regardless of the odds, because we have passion. We love to create. We love to tell stories. We have a need to do this. And it doesn't just apply to writing. All forms of art are in a similar situation. There are millions of painters out there, both traditional and digital. There are photographers, sculptors, musicians. Think about that for a moment, about how difficult it is for a musician to get their music heard. Years ago, they could send a tape to like the local radio station and maybe get some airtime late at night, but still have the chance to be heard. Now, with formats like YouTube, there are millions of musicians posting their music. What are the chances that one guitarist or some vocalist from some small town is going to get noticed? And yet, they continue to do it. Again, why? For me, 
I do it because my love for writing. I have to tell stories. I have to put my ideas on the page. I've been doing it professionally for a little over two decades. But non-professionally, I've been writing for as long as I've been able to pick up a pen or pencil. It's in my nature. Artists do it because they have to. They need to. And when I think about that vast ocean of books out there, all those writers, all those stories, well, I'm happy. I know that sounds a bit nuts, doesn't it? Isn't that all competition for my stories, my books? Yeah, but I don't necessarily look at it as competition. It's a brotherhood or a sisterhood or something along those lines. You know, I guess we need to find a term that's more inclusive. Peoplehood. Or better yet, a writerhood. You know, I don't think about all these stories out there as challengers or enemies. I think of them as companions. Adding one more story to the literary ocean only improves it, makes it larger, stronger, more vibrant. And maybe saying that stories are just drops in the ocean isn't the best way to describe it. It might be better to say that each story is like a fish. Each one is unique, beautiful, with its own set of colors and shape. They shimmer out there like little flashes of light on a dark night. Just like writers, each story is different. So comparing them to drops of water is probably a disservice. Water droplets all look the same, blend in together, create a huge, indistinct mass. Stories, on the other hand, are completely different from one another. They add color to the world, motion, meaning. Sure, it's easy for a story or a novel to get lost in the shuffle, either on the desk of an agent or publisher, or in the hundreds of thousands of self-published books out there. That's just how it is. I mean, we can try to get noticed, market ourselves and our works. We can use social media, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, or Instagram, Pinterest, whatever, to let people know that we exist and that we've written something they might enjoy. We can tell our families and friends about it, bring it up in conversation at social events or at work, or if we have some disposable funds, we can buy ads on websites or other platforms. But even then, there's no guarantee that anyone will read anything we've written. When it comes down to bare bones, we should be okay with that. It may seem like we're shouting into the void, especially with all the other voices shouting alongside us, but maybe the point isn't necessarily to be noticed. I won't argue that one of the things all writers want is to have someone read their stories and enjoy them. But if no one does, that's okay. It's not the end of the world or the end of your writing career. And no, it shouldn't be a blow to your self-esteem either. Remember, your story is just one fish out of millions in the ocean. People are probably seeing it, but there's a lot more out there to catch their eye. At some point, someone's going to notice. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode and in some of my previous episodes, the reason we create, write, draw, sing, play a musical instrument is because we have a need to create. First and foremost, you have to do it for yourself. You have these great ideas swimming around in your imagination. You need to get them out. Make them real. That's really the whole point. Self-expression. Having someone see your work and enjoy it, well, that's just icing on the cake. Think of it this way. When you create something, write a story, for example, you have to work at it, right? You spend time thinking about it, planning. Then comes the execution, the first draft, the second draft, 
maybe even a third or fourth. There's proofing, editing, tweaking. It may take days, weeks, months to work just to get the story right. Or as close to right as you can get it. That, right there, is what you should focus on. The fact that you accomplished this feat. You brought one of your ideas, one of your dreams to life. Be proud of that. And keep in mind that although there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other writers out there, compared to everyone on the planet, that's still a small segment of the population. This means you accomplished something that the majority of the people on earth haven't. That's damn impressive. So don't focus on being a drop of water in the ocean, even though it may feel that way. Your story is a beautiful tropical fish that you created. You made it happen. It doesn't matter if anyone ever sees it. You know what you did, what you accomplished, and that you succeeded. You are an artist. Don't let anyone discourage you. All right. So for this episode close out, let's try an interesting experiment in alternative art. <laughs> Here's what I'd like you to do. Go online and find a poetry website. Take a few minutes to browse and find a poem you like. It can be something familiar or something new. Doesn't matter. But look for one that's no longer than one printed page. Now print a copy of it. If it won't print cleanly, just copy and paste it into a Word document or something like that and print it out. Once you have the page in hand, get some scissors and cut it up. You can cut out individual words, sentences, groups of words, however you want to do it. Now once you have all your bits and pieces, start rearranging them into something new. A new poem or a bit of prose. No, it doesn't have to make sense. It probably won't. But think of it like painting a picture with words. Have fun with it. Be silly. Be weird. See what you can create. I know, it's a little odd, but you never know. You might end up having fun. All right, thank you for listening, and I hope you heard something useful. As always, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me through the contact form on my website at richardbiss.com, or you can catch me on Twitter, Facebook, or Tumblr under my name, of course. Until next episode, cheers. <laughs>